the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 24, for Friday, January 13th, 2012. Two-Ton Tim. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news information, and I swear to you there will be some commentary. I am your host, Tim Albright. Uh, welcome. Uh, this week we have on the panel Matt Scott from Omega Audio Video. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, George Tucker, he's from World Stage. Hey, George. Hello. Chris Netto, the AV Help Desk. How are you, Chris? I'm doing swell. Adrian Boyd from Vector Sketch. It just keeps going. <laughs> I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm surviving the snow. That yeah, Adrian's in St. Louis with me, and and yeah, he's he's dry, he's surviving the snow. And live from Las Vegas, Nevada, from the CES ECES show floor. It's Rich Fergoza. Hello, hello. You're embedded correspondent in Las Vegas. I was really hoping that you hadn't dropped off at that point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today we're going to talk about Siri and Crestron because I'm a big fanboy. Uh, Lowe's getting into control and 1,000 foot VGA. But first, we're going to take it to to Rich. Rich, just kind of give me a, a short synopsis, um, kind of what the best and, and worst of of CES has been this year. Um, I forgot how big this show is uh it it was it's a shade under two million square feet this year really quickly i'm and sorry I'm, I'm i'm gonna stop you <laughs> i forgot to mention something you're not there by yourself you are guest blogging for ce pro and the and julie jacobson and the folks yes i am okay, i uh, this is my my first time as a member of the press and uh funny story i almost didn't get my press pass i uh, actually had to prove that I was a legitimate member of the press uh, when I was getting my badge, and I had to hold up my iPhone showing my CE Pro byline to say, nice. please, please give me my badge. <laughs> so the power of technology already helped yes. at CES. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a guest blog instant, and uh, they uh, pretty much let me go around and, and take a peek at things that caught my interest and reported back, and as an adjunct to their phenomenal coverage. I mean, uh, you'll see there, I mean, between CE Pro and some of the other magazines who are who are there and reporting, there's going to be a lot of information uh, over the next few days and next week. That uh, you, it, it's almost like being there by the time they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing a fantastic job. Excellent. So yeah, what what is the the, the best and the worst then of of this year's CES? Um, I'm obviously the big thing that that everybody's been talking about is the OLED and uh, and and uh, LGs and Samsung's OLEDs. Their 55 inch displays are gorgeous absolutely beautiful real quickly question about that i had heard a report that lg's was not 
uh, market ready, that they're just showing the manufactured version, whereas the other one was ready to go to market. Is that Samsung's true? ready to go to market. LG, I heard the same reports. I was trying to get a little bit more information on that. Uh, and then, of course, what happens when everybody thinks OLED is going to be the story of the day, um, you know, we hear the reports from Sony that, you know, they're selling their production, uh, their, their stake in the, in the factory for LCD, and then right before the show, they, they mentioned they were, oh, by the way, we're pulling out of OLED, and of course, what did they show that nobody knew about? The Crystal TV, uh, what is which that? is their Crystal LED TV. Um, long story short, it's true LED TVs, 6 million individual RGB LEDs. No. no yeah. Okay, so it, there's no pitch. There's no what? Uh, yeah, it's it's basically they are the they are using the LEDs as the light source. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, the uh, they're directly they're mounted directly on the display. Um, I bet basically what they're saying is in terms of their specs, the image is about three and a half times higher contrast and about one and a half times wider color gamut, and it's like ten times faster than LCD as it exists right now. And oh, it's man. it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. They had both prototypes, the only two units in the world, right there. And I mean, I was probably not more than five and a half feet away from them. And, uh, and they actually have people guarding around. Somebody tried to get a little bit too close, and you thought that there was going to be kind of that Secret <laughs> Service tackle occurring. You know, It was just like, tango, tango, down, oh, down. You know, it was like guys speaking into their wristwatches on that one. Um, but it was it was something to, to behold, and and literally they they they've got two of them right now, and they brought them out to the show, and uh, it was amazing. I I mean now I understand what Sony was trying to do. At first, I, I really felt, and I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, it felt like you know this is your granddaddy Sony, yeah, and that their their pursuit of innovation was kind of going by the wayside. Um, this was a bold statement, you know. Okay. I mean to to step away from everybody. The question is now: Can they can they sell it? Because they couldn't do the OLEDs. You know, very possible. But at this point, you know, with the unit, I, I the way that this unit looks, I wouldn't bet against that. Bet against that. Okay, really. very good. Uh, anything else, or what was maybe the the silliest or the the not so greatest thing you saw? Oh gosh, everybody and uh, and their uncle had headphones. I mean, it was it, you know it, it you couldn't turn around. I mean, the headphones. You know, 10 years ago, everywhere you looked, everybody was making a speaker. Um, now, they've all been replaced by headphones, Bluetooth headphones, wireless headphones, high-performance headphones. The cool ones were the, um, the shock jock mm-hmm. headphones, which um, they actually attach to uh, your jaw, basically. And um, they actually transmit through the bone. So they're not in-ear. They go on your cheeks so that your ear canal is open. And you can, you know, pull in all ambient sound, but you're still listening to the music. It was very surreal. It was that like very, is, very surreal. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd like that. <laughs> That's a uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as an uncomfortable as, as I thought it would be or as disorienting. And you, you kind of adapted to it pretty quickly. And so this is technology that they've been using, like, for the military and, and for years and years. And they're, they're, they're now adapting it primarily for sports use. Uh, you know, and for uh, for athletes and for people who are working out, so that if you're running or jogging, you can still 
listen to the ambient sound, you're not locked off from the, the rest of the world, but you can still listen to your music while you're working out. So it was pretty cool. Well, and I also get it because there there are some things when you deal with, you know, we all, you know, a lot of us have kids. Uh, as my children get older, they're going to want something like, you know, an iPod or something like that. And I don't want them getting the, get, having control over the volume because they're not going to know not to blast their eardrums out. So something like exactly. that would help. Right. Very cool. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of, of uh, you know, different uses for it, I think. And I think you're going to see more and more of that over time as, you know, there's going to be a generation that you're going to be dealing with tonight as problems that, yeah. you know, we're learning, turn this stuff down. And if you can prevent them from actually going in your, uh, in your ears themselves, that's going to help a whole lot more. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, enjoy Vegas. I oh, I got one last okay, one go because ahead, yeah, this is my absolute favorite was the um, the Emperor Workstation. It uh, is named such because it is an actuator-driven workstation with a tail, much like a scorpion, uh, an Emperor Scorpion comes in. Uh, you sit in, and it's a fully ergonomic workstation. So if you remember the movie um, Swordfish, where you kind of have that big station, mm-hmm. you can have up to three 24-inch LED displays oh, mounted wow. in front of you. Full controls. Uh, it's amazing. Actually, I have some pictures up on it uh, a little bit later. And it, it is the ultimate geek workstation. And and it can be yours for the uh, the low, low asking price of $6,000. So one has already been delivered to Casa de Fregosa, hasn't it? Uh, um... <laughs> Pictures may be forthcoming. I'm actually, I, I've actually tried to explain to my wife. You that did, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> benefits, you know, if I'm in an ergonomically correct chair, <laughs> actually invested in my health at this point. And really, it's too much to ask for my health. Their answer, if she was my wife, would be yes. But <laughs> exactly. Oh, that is awesome, though. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you can check out uh, Rich's stuff on uh, at least for for CES on on CE Pro's uh, website and probably in their in their magazine. You can check his website for GozaDesign dot com for GozaDesign dot com. And I think Rich is actually going to be on for the full show next week. But uh, I, I don't want to risk the bandwidth in Vegas this week. So exactly. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Thank and you, Rich. I'll see you when I get back from Vegas. Okay, dope. Awesome. That was Rich Fergoza. You guys were awfully quiet. You guys were talking. Well, I said, you know, you guys can ask questions. And <laughs> well, you know, we didn't want to be too rude. All I'm right. Canadian. I'm polite, remember? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. I can't cut in. But the rest of us aren't Canadian, so uh, this is hey, AB half. Week. Uh, as a reminder, that was Rich Fergoza, but on the, on the call is Matt Scott. Uh, George Tucker, Chris Netto, and Adrian Boyd. I I don't make any apologies about being a Crestron fanboy. One of the things that came out this week was from The Verge and Crestron's. uh, They call it an innovative little thing where they're going into plug-and-play. This is what The Verge calls it, plug-and-play control to home theaters. Matt, we'll start with you because you've done some Crestron. You also do some Lutron. Is this something that Control 4 or Savant or other you know, lower-end uh, entities that are not quite plug-and-play but are pretty simple to, to get into. Is this something that they, that they should be worried about? Yeah, I think it is. Now, um, if you've watched the video and anybody who knows Crestron and integration and programming side of it will know that what that integrator did is by no means easy. It is by no means a plug-and-play, um, you know, just pull it out of the box, plug it in, and, hey, we're good. Um, that being said, it is insanely cool. 
so yeah, I, I think it's definitely something that you know, Crestron was promoting it like crazy. All their all their reps on Twitter were were pushing it out. So I'm sure they're working on it. And I know that's been one of the biggest things with Surrey, uh, people just finding ways that they can use it. So you know, you take that application and make it uh, essentially a stock option on uh, you know Crestron or any other control device. And that's going to be absolutely gigantic. So yeah, they're, they're, I'm sure Savant, who's very, very close with Apple, uh, will be working on working on that already, um, most likely. And uh, if they're not, they're definitely doing it now. Same with uh, you know Control Four. So it it's going to be a big. It's the first you know fairly you know I, I guess fairly simple in terms of you know it's still programming, but it's it's not like crazy crazy voice control type application stuff so it'll be very very cool no and it's here's the thing i I, there's another story we have this week about siri and 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 crestron but uh, george is this something where i mean i think it's 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 cool just because uh, it's crestron but it's also our industry and and at least one entity of our industry getting getting noticed outside of rave publications or ce pro i mean the verge is a technology blog yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> the um, and that and um, the coverage they've been getting on Gizmodo and Engadget mm-hmm. picked up some of this stuff mm-hmm. <clears throat> because this sits right at the heart of what they're seeing as one of the tenets of the critical mass for home automation. It's got to be able to do in some manner. Guy walks in, you change out the piece of gear. And so th- think of it this way. Actually, you have an existing system. Somebody needs to come in and change out a DVD player because you went from a regular DVD player to a Blu-ray player. How much money does that cost? Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not asking for real numbers <laughs> here, Matt, but you know me. You know that it's programming time, it's prep time, it's installation time. It's that's just too much money. It's oh, the yeah. same thing as saying, you know, with your touchscreens, why can't I change certain buttons on my touchscreen without having the programmer come in? They're all finally starting to get this. Hey, you know what? That's not a profit center like flat panel hangings were years ago. Um, so this plug-and-play thing, I think the, the quote-unquote Crestron inside, all they need is like a four-tone musical logo now. Um, dun, dun, dun. Dun. Sorry. Although they always play the uh, Darth Vader theme when Randy comes in, so maybe that one. Um, That's his own personal theme. <laughs> on a loop in his head. Um, the, um, I, did I say that out loud? Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, I'll let it that in the mix. Maybe dun, not. Dun, um, dun, dun, so, dun, dun, dun. Sorry. So, yeah, so, but I mean, this plug and play thing is really cool. Now, my concerns are where they're going to do is it for every Crestron system, or is it just for the sort of prodigy lower end mid price section? Because there's a, a qualitative luxury appeal to Crestron that I don't know if plug and play would actually work with. From a programming perspective, all the guys are going, great, save time, make money, get more jobs done. But I do have a, a little bit of a concern there about how you would market these high-end pieces of gear that now start to look and sound like they're just off of Best Buy's rack. Hey, you. Wow. Now, now I, I will say this. Um, I, I can't see this going into the higher-end products by any means. But it, it reminds me of um, you know some of the Bose systems, which I'm not here to debate the quality of Bose or whatnot. <laughs> but... It, oh come on! No, no, no! I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to get into that one. But you know, we recently became a dealer because people are asking us for it. Notwithstanding, um, their their system and their plug and play capability is ridiculously easy. 
So when you when you look at that in a Crestron solution and essentially say, okay, well, I have some of that capability of ease of use to install and make you know get up and working quickly, but with Crestron's you know support and Crestron's history of insanely good control products, that's going to be gigantic. But do, Chris, we'll, we'll bring you in on this. Do you think that this is maybe Crestron's? swipe back at people like Savant and Control 4 and, you know, all, all these other guys, Claire Controls, who have, in the last six months to a year, have kind of, you know, honed in, kind of nudged in on their their resi market. I, you know what? I, I'm listening to the conversation, and I'm, I'm trying to put it together, and what I'm seeing is the opposite. I'm thinking this is not them, in, you know, getting in on Crestron's market, I think it's sort of like Crestron is the corporate, um, you know, preferred choice of programming. Them, they battle AMX, and that's the two, the two big ones in the pro world, right? And then, you know, as you see, like in the corporate world now, all these consumer products are hitting are, you know, or, or me personally, I'm in the co- corporate world, so it's like you, you see these consumer products being introduced into the conference rooms i think it's sort of like they just want to play with what's coming and i think they see it you know uh that's my opinion Hmm. i don't think i I don't think it's the other way around (laughs) i I would agree that's a very accurate point because yeah it's something where as an industry the corporate world has really you know you still have your fortune 500s and all the big big boys but there are a ton of you know quote unquote small businesses that want that techno- technological advancement and capability but can't pay the price or, or are not willing to put the investment in for some of the you know more traditional Crestron products. And this is where you know this type of application coming in at a lower cost, hopefully, uh, or some of the other, you know, be it RTI or, or whoever else is already kind of playing in that market or, or trying to play in that market, they're just, they're just hitting the market better. So this is their their defense, I guess, against the smaller, less expensive solutions. Yeah. You brought, I, you, well, I think there's also a trend here. I mean, everything is going towards a more universal approach. Um, we've got tons and tons of gear that we once thought would not be in a teleconferencing system, yet you've got the smart TVs coming along. That have all this stuff rolled into it. I mean, back in the day, uh, Crestron made a bunch and still makes a bunch of products that were sort of telestrators and control systems and storage devices and part of a teleconferencing system. A lot of that can be rolled into a flat panel. Hey, I sit home with my 55-inch TV with the little Skype camera built into it right on top with the app built into the TV. I don't even have to turn on my PC anymore. Granted, I don't have to or my cell phone or my or my tablet or anywhere else I can have a camera attached to. But the fact that it's there in my house, when I started in the industry uh, back in the 90s and I was installing, you know, ISDN-based video conferencing systems, you know, <laughs> at 128K speed, my TV at home and my video equipment at home right now, which came inside the box, is better than what I did in 98 on ISDN, and I thought that was great. I loved so, ISDN. <laughs> Well, what, what a lot of people are kind of forgetting, if you want to interject, back in, I think it was 2002, um, AMX w- was was doing some stuff, uh, I saw it at Cedia. They were trying to embed um, via Java 
um, basically their entire control infrastructure into devices so that you could basically plug it in either 232 or IR and the system would go, oh, you're a box like this, I'm automatically configured. And it didn't do so well. So now Crestron, they got it in, they developed that relationship with TI for those, uh, you know, um, mid-grade, you know, um, DLP projectors, you know, going into, yeah. you know, small business um, education that already had the, you know, the control macro and everything you would need to hang on the network and plug it into a control system at a small price and minimize the programming costs. Well, Adrian, now, it, it, not, to, not to interrupt you really quick, but, but not only have they done that with TI, but they've also done that with 3LCD. Yeah, and, and it was the kind of thing that minimize the programming costs, get us into to markets that traditionally, you know, you always struggle with getting a control system in. It's like, oh, you know, your projector's got this built-in Crestron macro, you know, all you need now is just this, you know, small little touch panel or even a keypad. You can now or control your room. Or an iPad. And, you know, people go, oh, I don't need to spend, you know, 10000 plus in order to put a, in order to do a control system for my little piddly room? Okay. And this is kind of what, what George is, one of George's, I'm not going to say favorite, but one of, one of his, his pillars that, that he, he pounds on a lot. And that's, you know what, don't build your business. <laughs> around a crumbling infrastructure, you know, don't build your business about hanging uh, around hanging flat panels. You know, what? it might be it, it might be the time where we shouldn't build our business around programming. Are we are we there yet, or are we getting there? Is that what we're seeing here? Where uh, where programmers, I, I think you know, I, I've worked with a lot of really good programmers, and I mean, there's some you know we get some great programmers you know with us. Um, I think that the t- it, the shift is starting to happen where people are really beginning to question, well, why am I spending so much on programming where mm-hmm. I can do, you know, they're, they're being shown the alternatives where it's, oh, it just it for you automatically or it figures it out for you. And then people are beginning to scratch their head going, why is it so much money? And when I talk to integrators, it's, you know, you can lessen your programming costs by streamlining infrastructure, by keeping consistent gear, write the program once, and then just copy and paste over and over and over. And along go, oh, that's a good deal. You know, that's a smart idea. And it's eventually going to get to the point where if, you know, from what I'm reading, what I'm seeing is the programmer is not going to go away, but their role will be different, you know, when we look at how our technology is evolving. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like that that's the way we're going, is they'll, they'll, there will be a place for them for those specialized systems or those really big, you know, uh, combined divide classrooms and stuff like that. But, but to put a system in a house, yeah, knock yourself out, you know. The guy that owns, you know, Matt, Matt could go in and, and walk in and in an hour configure the entire system without having to, to, to hire a programmer at well, and, two or 300 bucks an hour. Yeah, and that's becoming, you know, one of the biggest aspects definitely of the resi market is, you know, yeah, we still have guys putting 50,000, 100,000 and above, you know, theaters in. But we have a lot of people that just want, you know, their TV on the wall. We don't need all the gear we used to. They just want it in. They just want it to work. And, you know, they don't want 50,000 remotes kicking around. So it, it is all about, you know, making it easy, making it work, and, you know, not having programming costs that are ridiculous because people, you know, just they don't want to pay for it anymore. And they don't they have the money the, to pay for it anymore. Exactly. It's the economy they see the iPads. They see all that stuff and go, well, hold on. You know, I saw in the commercial that they just hit the button and it goes. <laughs> yeah. Right? And 
like that Crestron, the uh, the iPod commercial that has the Crestron app in it is great because I can, you know, I always come back and go, hey, you know, have you seen that commercial with the app? You could do that too. And a lot of times they, they go, oh, great. So what's that, like 50 bucks? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, there is a free version. Let's start there. Right, but it's it's all the interface behind it. Yeah. So is that slowly... You know, and again, it, it's our general consumers. They do not, especially in the resi, and even in a lot of the, um, a lot of the commercial market, they don't understand all the background that's required to make those types of things happen. So to the them, it's just stuff. pardon the heavy lifting stuff. Yeah. Exactly, they they don't know what's what's required to make that cool iPad you know app work or that that you know whatever. Um, situation works. So again, when it comes down to dollars and cents, anything that allows the integrator to do more with less and charge less is going to be good. Yeah. That, that's right. why. That's why there's a market for Harmony remotes and and oh, Prontos back in the day. Even. I mean, oh, you're that's, hurting me. Hey, you know what? There, I, the, Harmony has. <laughs> I, you know, but I don't care a, what people. There's also th- that trend. I mean, we talked about the trend of more and more prosumer devices sort of crossing lines between residential and business and mm-hmm. high end but there's also that sense of a standard in programming it's coming now we've all been talking about it and I know I've I personally have ranted and George, raved about George you're talking about standards just to I know I know alert alert um, but is this not also a defense in saying you want to make a standard we're already embedded yeah, but yeah, you're not exactly. going to do that, George. I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, unless you know, Kumbaya comes around and we all start it, it, doing whatever. Right. Well, here's AMX and Crestron. About, hang on, AMX and Crestron are not going to come together on a standard. I'm sorry. Well, it, no, it would be know, a sign of the you apocalypse. Also do by, you know, by popularity or not necessarily well, popularity, but who's there the most? And sometimes that becomes at least the de facto. When we look at the computer world, where a lot of our touch panel GUIs have kind of emulated over the last couple of years, especially when, with web-based applications, Windows GUI, an Apple GUI, even a Linux GUI, they're all kind of consistently the same. You can change the lipstick a little bit, put you know your own backgrounds and colors and so on, but I always know where things are going to be based on the operating system. We kind of, you know, when you look at Infocom, when they developed the dashboard, it was the same kind of idea keeping things in the same location so you could have that muscle memory to get you back to that handheld remote control. Because when I hold remote control in my hand, I always know where volume is, I always know where channel is, and mute and so on. And it's getting the same thing. So we can make them look pretty, but, you know, as George is saying, we need to kind of, standards will help because, you know, if they're embedded and they're saying, hey, you know, it's going to work like this, and you're going to have the consistency, it'll be more easy to sell the product you'll get it into more places you know and that's kind of how things are going uh, one of the big things i learned a long time ago when working with 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 touch panel systems is um learning how an individual interacts with the technology um one of the things that we found is you know if your buttons are too big or too small it completely affects how someone memorizes how a system works and how they use it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is you should be able to have anybody walk into a room cold, look at a GUI and go, oh, I know how this works and I can make it run. You don't need to have a 25-minute training lesson you know, to teach the secretary or the grandma or whoever to run a system. They should just walk in and intuitively go, oh, I want the TV, it turns on, or oh, I need a video conference, and it works. Yeah, and ideally. that's what makes standards, you know, 
more important and more consistent. Yeah, but even standards you can you can screw up. So <laughs> uh, you're listening to AV Week. That right there is Adrian Boyd. Also on the call is Chris Nutto, George Tucker, and Matt Scott. Uh, one thing that came out of CES this this week that we'll touch on is uh, Microsoft is saying that the Connect is coming to the PC in February. Uh, something that that we'll start with you, George, on this. Um, the thing that that struck me was the fact that not to pounce on on Crestron more, but they've they've kind of gotten into the Siri, you know, uh, iPad infrastructure, infrastructure and, and environment. But they're a partner with Microsoft. Wouldn't it have made more sense? Because you know what, Xbox and, and the Connect is gesture and voice. So why wouldn't they? You know, they have partnered with them for that. Well, I think you're talking about economies of scale here. I mean, who do they want to go after for this, and what are they looking for? I'm sure that somewhere down the line there'll be something like this for Crestron, AMX, perhaps others. Um, I don't see that being an impediment. It almost looks like they're doing the kit like they did in the early days when the hackers first broke into the Connect. right? We talked about this a couple of shows ago. <clears throat> and they said, no, 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 no. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, we hadn't thought of that. Money. Um I think it's a really good idea. It, it's a natural growth of what happened and that they're now making it something that's theirs is both good and bad. One, yes, there'll be a mass market appeal, easy to use, implement. The hackers are probably going to be disappointed on how they've limited it and learned the lessons of what these guys broke into. But the, the, when you saw some of the hacks, there's three-dimensional spatial mapping that mm-hmm. these things were doing. That's a boon to automation, whether it's high-end or it's the, the low-end, off-the-shelf stuff that could possibly connect to it. I mean, this stuff wouldn't be very rocket science. It would be connect that plug-in, tell it its dimensions, map it out like you would you know, an old, an old remote, and you've got this auto Surrey voice gesture. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Gesture command. Yeah. I'm telling you, Marcel Marceau will be an icon Jeez. in the home automation business. We're <laughs> uh, all going to learn how to flow that hand. All right, for those who don't know who Marcel Marceau is, he is probably the only famous mime. <laughs> but he's a famous mime. And respected. That's the thing. Famous and respected. He's not respected. He's French. <laughs> One of the neat things I read in, a, in an article that related to this is, why it took so long for Microsoft to bring out a Windows version only. Steve Ballmer. No, it had to do with the throw distance of the uh, cameras built into Connect because most... Those are limited, yeah. Because, you know, if you're using Connect with an Xbox, you're in a range of six to eight feet, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Your living room. Well, stick it on a computer, you're now limited to, you know, 24 inches, 13 inches. It's a smaller distance. So they had to reconfigure that. That's why there's a price difference between the two. They look the same. They may smell the same. They have the same interface. But, you know, you had to make it more friendly for, you know, a, a computer environment. Yeah. I just think it's cool. So, uh, Tim. Yes, sir. I, uh, uh, this is going to sound bad. I know a guy. You know a who's guy. Been playing, yeah, of course. I've been playing. That's been playing with the voice uh, command stuff with the Crestron. Uh-huh. He's. He's dying to get the gesture piece down because what, it, what it's going to do and what Microsoft has done with the Connect is allow for um, one to check the other. So now there's no question that you just said volume up if you are now following that with your left-hand movement. Hmm. It's, it's pinpoint accuracy now. Okay. It's double-checking. So if you start looking at it that way, you're now opening up 
a whole new way to operate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, and this stuff like this is cool to me because it's it is Jetsons, it is Star Trek, um, where you can go, you can you know walk into your living room and there there are programmers who can do this that say you know when when you say you know honey I'm home they can recognize your voice and then there are all are all sorts of little steppers you can do when you walk in the door it does x y and z you know See, I, I noticed you used good movie references where's hal in this where is <laughs> hey hal was well, okay remember we've had this i mean we've had voice recognition technology in the home automation field for a long time i mean julie last episode mentioned this but it's always been at a price point that may has you know some it's been impeditive to a lot of people you know it's either too expensive or it doesn't work right or you know someone's voice is different because it's a cold and then it's all messed up so we're now getting it at a price point where the masses can see it and go hey that's cool i want it in my house or i want it in my in my office yeah. or something like that but so it's the, definitely going to open up avenues for, for integrators and companies, you know, start learning this and, and say, hey, you know, this is probably going to be something that we can work with and, and have as a, as a revenue stream for at least, you know, five, six years. Yeah. My, my question on it will be, um, what is it going to cost in programming time? Because if it's, if it's you know, a push and play type, application and you know a little bit of configuration here and there that's fine but it's still going to be at a pretty serious price premium i would assume to make it effective for most people yeah i don't know i mean i my, i guess in my head i've always envisioned it doing kind of what connect does now and connect does now on on the on the xbox is basically you just kind of tell it what to you know you say you know xbox do this xbox do that and it just does it um, and, yeah, and it's limited, but it's, it's it, it has some built-in already out of the box. It's the expansion of that, though, that, that concerns me. Because, yes, that aspect is very simple. But when you start getting into the whole, you know, Xbox, turn on my TV and switch to da 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 that's where I, like, again, inside the box, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. It's when we start to get outside of the box, which is really where it gets cool. You know, when we can say, hey, Xbox... Let's, you know, start up Ghost Recon and turn down my lights. Yeah. That's when it'll be cool. Or or insanely cool, I should say. Insanely cool. Insanely cool. Uh, from CE Pro Magazine, this goes to Mr. Scott because he's our resi guy. Lowe's is going to start selling a cloud-based home management system. I put on there a home control system because it will let you do some control. The, the product is called Iris. And they said it'll be introduced in mid-2012. Matt, is this something that you should be worried about, that other resi guys should be worried about? Or is this kind of geared to the DIYer who hasn't quite gotten his DIY chops yet? I, I think it's kind of that whole you know DIY-type situation. Um, I, I know that they you know are currently selling even some, some basic rudimentary lighting control stuff. Yeah, they're doing Lutron. Well, and, yeah, and, but the, it's and the, not... the shades, the shades that at Cedia. Yes, you can get some of the shades now, um, or will be able to get some of the shades now. Um, but again, it, it's very limited in what you can do. So yes, this will be very, very, very cool. And um, you know, all those DIY guys will flock to this kind of stuff because it gives them some some capability. Um, as far as it really cutting into our market, maybe a little bit. It, 
this reminds me of when Home Depot started saying that they were going to install flat panels, which happened about four years ago, I believe. And a bunch of this, the uh, custom install guys got very concerned. And, you know, I kind of looked at a few of my friends who were concerned and said, really? You, you expect <laughs> this to be, like, hard for us? What? <laughs> like, it's going to, you know, it's the same as when Best Buy first jumped into it. Were they any good at installing when they started? No. We could all come in afterwards and, you know, hit it properly if if the customer wanted that. it It's the, the standard thing of, What's the price point and who's the demographic for this? Yeah. Because I know my clients, I have one or two who like to mess around with DIY stuff. So, yeah, they might go get this to play with it because they think it's cool. But are the guys that are going to Lowe's to buy automation calling me at the same time to price match? <laughs> or, or, or Probably you know, not. Quote on the same thing. No, they're not. So that's, to me, that's the biggest thing. To it, It's... As far as it cutting into my business, I don't see it really doing that because, again, it's only capable of doing so much. Our big um, cable company in, in Ontario has brought out the same type of thing that they're trying to sell. And, you know, they got commercials all the time about it. And I have yet to quote against it or, you know, have, have a client request it because they all know what it is. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> It's Canadian. It's uh, a cable Canadian, company. It's yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Well, exactly. So it comes with that whole thing. The good side of this for me is that it gets hopefully every you know customer who walks into a Lowe's in the next year or so will see an ad for this and go, "Ooh, home automation! I've never really thought of that." And you know, the the plus will be that the more people who know about it, it just expands the pot. Well, that, that's I guess that's my 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 other side. My my glasses have full. Yeah, part. that's the big plus for me. Uh, is the more the more people who know that this type of technology exists and it is obtainable. Maybe you know what I offer is more expensive than this will be, and it it, it is. But yeah, <laughs> um, you know, most people just they still don't know that this stuff exists. They don't know that it's available. Okay. So. Anything that happens to build these industries that people don't understand is all, all good by my 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 view. So, Chris, is is this really kind of um, the broad mass market introduction of control? I mean, you have people like Engadget and and The Verge, which aren't mainstream. You know, it's not NBC Nightly News. Brian Williams is not talking about this, but it's still more mainstream than our trade magazines. Is this nah. kind of our introduction, uh, the AV industry introduction to America? Maybe. I mean, I don't. I don't see it being a <laughs> a problem for for the residential market that you know Matt's speaking about. I. It's somebody at Lowe's who is either going there to see that or stumbles across that while at checkout line. I yeah. mean, that's that's what you're going to get with that. I think the only interesting thing I've seen about home automation that's even caught my eye at any of these places has been you know a wi-fi thermostat where i can check the temperature of my house and raise it from you know the internet and those are sold there i mean outside of that i'm not going to go buy home automation at lowe's at this point no but but that's me i also also know that yeah Yeah. you also know that there's more available just like when when i walk into a customer and start talking about lutron they very quickly go to oh yeah, yeah the dimmers they sell at the depot 
and I'll, you know, pull out a demo one and it, it's, you know, the maestro look and they'll look at it and go, oh, yeah, they have that at the depot. I'm like, OK, so but but no, okay. <laughs> to that to that point, though, I mean, Iris is not a Crestron or AMX control system. So maybe I'm stretching by saying this is the introduction. Maybe it's just, you know what, here, here's a, a market that we can dumb down or here's a product that we can dumb down and sell mass market to Americans. Kind of. I mean, when I read the article and I looked at it, I'm familiar with the with the UK company that's kind of doing a lot of this um, that Iris is based off. It's kind of like a, um, a bridging device. You know, it lets you hook up a thermostat, you know, hook up your security system, you know, plug a few appliances in, a few lights, and monitor it from your iPad or from your computer and kind of, oh, here's my energy usage. That's kind of where that what this thing is. It's It's more of a, oh, look, we're, you know, someone left the TV on the other room. Look how much power I'm wasting. You know, uh, my security system says the front door's not locked. It's just a bridging device. It's a way you for know. you to worry is what it is. Yeah. My yeah, front exactly. door's unlocked and my TV's on. Daggummit. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, Junior's in trouble. Well, at least you know the TV's still on. No one's it. <laughs> and it's not, it's not missing. So You know, remember like, the days when, you know, your dad would walk in a room and go, who touched the thermostat? I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, Andrew, you brought, pay. You, you brought up. <laughs> you try to heat the outside or, or cool the outside, depending on which season it is. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you brought up a good, a good point. The people that are going to be looking for something like this, at least I could pursue them, and Matt probably has more definitely more experience on this than I do, is the vacation home guy who – needs to make sure that the heat is on in his uh, shack up in Maine yeah. for skiing because if that goes down, he's going to burst water pipes. Like That is the application I think the guys going to Lowe's are going to be looking for, yeah. more so than you know walking in or, or getting into to their job and forgetting to turn the, you know, the kitchen light off. Or the iron I think off, that's so. Yeah, definitely. Because again, the, a lot of the real DIY guys, the true, you know, the guys that are listening to our DIY podcast, which is great, by the way, um, they're <laughs> not playing. They're not playing with this stuff. They're playing with even more hodgepodge, if you will. And I don't mean to, you know, downgrade that, you know, industry, if you will, at all. But they're like they're fiddling with stuff. They're not buying off the shelf. Boom! Here's a system, and it works. No, these are Linux guys. So let's start yeah. with that. <laughs> Well, I mean, but to a certain degree, there are guys who do that. Like, you know, Honey wants to use, the wife wants to use something that she knows is going to work. Boom. There you go. All right, you put this exactly. in, you're done. And in my opinion, this stuff is that hook by crook and brick by brick, mass market acceptance is coming. If Lowe's and alarm companies and Verizon and telephone companies think they can sell products like this with this kind of connectivity and control, they're going to look to expand their market and expand their offerings it's a vertical market for them okay so mm -hmm. let me ask a general question to, to anybody that wants to answer if that's the case then will we see anybody will we see iris will we see whomever at infocom in 2012 or 2013 or cedia you know are these guys going to do be, are, are they going to be that much integrated into our industry well i i guess that would come down to and sorry to jump right off the gun um, there was a couple uh, at CD this past year. There was a couple little upstart um, iPhone IR converter something boxes, um, guys that had little ten by ten booths in the corner of Cedia and touting how you know you buy their eighty dollar little adapter that connects to your network and you can use their iPhone app to turn on your TV using an IR blaster. Yeah. 
And those guys, you know, there was a few of those guys there. So I think, yeah, this may, we may not see it this year. We may not see it next year. But this industry is definitely pushing that way. Like I know ADT has been pushing their their home system very hard. And, you know, I've looked at it. Would I put it in my house? No. But there's a ton of... No, exactly. And that's the thing is uh, like us who are on this call, we are not your average consumer. We're yeah, not the guys who we, we're the guys who walk in and look at this and laugh when we see and go, oh, that's cute. The same way that, you know, I if if I'm ever in a Walmart or a Target and I see their twenty dollar mount, I go, oh, cute. It's tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh and go, man, every mount I install or my guys install they know that there's a chance I will come all 200 plus pounds of me and I'm going to hang on that mount. You should just hire me to do it. No, because, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Watch yourself. Sorry. No, it was the commute time. Nothing uh, to do with the weight. You're just you're, so you're a little far away. my mic was muted just then. <laughs> <laughs> this is AV Week with Two-Ton Tim. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's going to stick. Matt, that dude. is the uh, title. Okay, here, I'll, I'll tell you a story later. <laughs> That that is a that is a nickname of mine from my childhood from my cousin. So, oh no, uh, it was fine. It was that's why I used it. So it's fine. Uh, Matt We're not gonna Scott. have a Margaret Chow moment here, are we? No, <laughs> no. George Tucker, Chris Netto, and Adrian Boyd, uh, gentlemen, take a drink, uh, mute your mics, go to the bathroom, whatever you need to do, because it is time for the AV Week job of the week uh, coming up after this we're going to talk about ultra wide screen TVs, a uh, thousand foot VGA runs, and MySpace. That's right. I said MySpace. I don't believe I said it, but I did. Uh, this week's AV Week Job of the Week, it's brought to you by Rave Pubs. Go to ravepubs.com, R-A-V-E-P-U-B-S. Uh, this job is from eventcreative.com. They are looking for an audiovisual salesperson. It is full-time. Uh, the uh, this is just a brand-new job. Uh, they're looking for an AV salesperson and director. The responsibilities include selling and producing corporate meetings and events. Uh, additional responsibilities include training of production staff and other salespeople. Uh, salary, benefits, vacation, all the bit, all, all of the, the different benefits and stuff. Uh, for more information, go to eventcreative.com, eventcreative.com, or to apply for the job, you can just go to ravepubs.com, uh, R-A-V-E-P-U-B-S.com. Go to the resources section, and under there is, our, is the, the, the link for, for the AV jobs. All right, uh, you're listening to AV Week uh, with uh, with your host, Two Ton Tim, apparently, Matt D. Scott, George Tucker, Chris Netto, and Adrian Boyd. Uh, this comes from Yahoo News. Vizio is shipping, it says at least, uh, sometime in February, the ultra-wide screen TV. Real basic, gentlemen, this is going to be a 2.35 to 1 uh, as opposed to 16 by 9. This is a Cinescope display. Uh, my first question, and, and Chris, we'll start with you. Why didn't we start out with this? <laughs> I mean, why why did we start out with sixteen by nine? If we're if we're going to show movies, and sh- and movies are shown are, are made in Cinescope. If I'm, I correct me if I'm wrong here, so why didn't we start out with this? Maybe it's a furniture manufacturer problem. That, you know how Those wide can we get credentials? People. I guess. I you know personally, I love it. I've seen it. Uh, you know everything I've read about it. It it's awesome. I want it. You, we have it. We use it currently in, with uh, PCs with a dual screen, you know, widescreen type setup. You know, the only thing that is sticking is in the pro world. Is Vizio yet accepted? <laughs> well, not really. Uh, I don't want to, 
you know, I don't want to throw stones at it, but I, yeah, definitely at home. <laughs> I, yeah, I, want well, I don't even see it at, like I, well, I try not to see it in homes. Yeah. Well, and, uh, okay. So <laughs> let's, let's be honest with this here. Uh, we, we talked to Rich Fergoza very, very start of this call. He's, he's, he's at CES this right now as we, as we speak. Uh, and he saw a very cool product from, from Sony and Sony is, is, I mean, I, I don't know the relationship between Sony and Vizio. I, I still think of Vizio as Sony. I, does, I, I don't know how that works from a business standpoint. But my main scare about this is the fact that it is kind of, you know, Sony slash Vizio. And if that's the case, then, well, it might go the way of, you know, their 13-inch OLED or the mini disc or whatever else, whatever, you know, bad product you can think of from Sony in the last 10, 20 years. You're you're asking guys here that that think wider is better to begin with, probably. Yeah. So, you know, widescreen, ultra wide, whatever you want to call it, is 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 definitely favorable. Will the again goes back to what we've been talking about previously. Will the homeowner understand it, want it? I mean, we we can be giddy over you know since you know the whole cinema style and and widescreen about it because we know about it because we've seen it or we we know how movies are shot, but. Will, you know, Joe at home care? I mean, you know, NFL looks the same. Well, what is he gonna- <laughs> and, until, <laughs> until they decide until they, that, yeah. that this is the next, you know, the, after, after 3D, the next thing is going to be Cinescope. Yeah, we're going to shoot in Cinescope now. This Spartacus my- will look fantastic it on it. Incredible. <laughs> you'll be able to see the dimple in, in Kirk Douglas's, you know, uh, See it, you'll get lost in it. <laughs> Help! This More spike big... chariots. That's oh, yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs> this is my big thing, though. Is the resolution on this? Did I not read that the resolution on this is still not true? Cinescope. So they're doing some weird pixel mapping they thing. Are. The, it, they it's are. weird. Well, yeah, yeah, because it's yeah, not really that, that up too. Yeah. I mean, you throw and, Blu-ray in or whatever. It's not technically in Cinescope, anyways. It's yeah. it's you yeah. know you're still going to black bars, and they have to. They're doing something to get. So rid you're of zooming black. it. Yeah, you know, or, or or whatever, and at that point, it's like, don't get me wrong, I think it's super cool, but it's I, wider, Matt. I know, no, no, I love it. I would totally <laughs> buy one, even though it says Vimeo, but I'd hide it in my basement where no one else could see it. And <laughs> sorry, it's where you keep the mother-in-law that you're yeah. that you're embarrassed. Video of. snob, video snob, but um, that that's my thing is it's cool, but when there's no content for it, anyways, it's like. Really? Well, that's the whole chicken and egg debate, anyway. And, I and this goes back to what HDTV and even the 4K we discussed yeah. a couple yeah. of shows back. It's great, but where's that sort of meshing and meeting of content to show and something to show it on? I mean, yeah, it's, it's 3D. It's Field of Dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, even, don't even go with 3D. No, yeah, no, but it's, it's a good analogy to 3D. I mean, it's a great analogy to 3D because for a long time and. and you know, we've all watched this, that, that manufacturers were, were touting 3D when there was nothing out there to show on these on these home systems or even on the professional systems in 3D. See, I was hoping for Smell-O-Vision to come back, you know? Yeah. Now widescreen. This is the 3D. third time Polyester the Movie has shown up on this, uh, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you playing along at home, drink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when we talk about 3D, believe it or not, we only see in 2D. Our eye, it's our brain that interprets the 3D. So what's kind of funny is I, I watched um, Captain America in 3D without the glasses. 
Okay. And you only know you want to know what the big difference? There's only certain scenes in 3D in an entire film, and it, they just look a little fuzzy. So, well, and that was like um, when Tron came out. It wasn't completely 3D. It wasn't you know, and most movies aren't. I, I know I was working on a demo system just the other day, and I threw in one of the the Shrek movies in 3D. And it's like, yeah, it's technically 3D, but there's almost no dimension to that movie to begin with. So what you're telling me is that I should have a film strip tone every time 3D comes on. Put on your glasses. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, flip the page. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the reference disc for 3D then? Um, Avatar? You know, I guess it would, ha- it would have to be because that everything I've read and everything I, I've, I've looked at, that is an actual movie created for and by and, and around 3D. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not it's not Beauty and the Beast that's being released this month in 3D, which yes. all they did was took it took it and copied and pasted the, the freaking images and ones for left. Or Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, or the depth perception. Yeah. I still I still wanted to be Vincent Price's wax museum. Come on. No, I'll tell you one that is very <laughs> good is um, Monsters vs. Aliens. Really? Yeah. yeah, that is that is very good. We use that one a lot. There, there's one scene, um, I think it's like 23 minutes into the film, something like that, and the kid's playing with one of those paddle balls, you know, with the little elastic that used to buy a Cracker Barrel or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's popping it, and you see it sideways, and then he slowly, you know, starts fa- essentially facing the camera with it, and every time we demo that for a client, every That's single cool. time, head snaps back, whoa, where did that <laughs> come from? And I, of course, you know, Try not to laugh because it's always funny. Here's the sad thing: is I know what scene you're talking about because yeah, it, it's a <laughs> it's it's a good scene. So again, it, it comes down to that whole. I know up here we. Yes, we lost. It's in the TVs. We Matt, the same Matt, thing with the video. Is we, we, Matt, stop! We lost you. <laughs> you said parts. up, up. We know up here, and then you were like muted for a second. Oh, lovely. it was the it was the uncomfortable pause. It was yeah, <laughs> <laughs> up here, Canada, and uh, no, we just don't Canada. have we don't have the content. Like to to say that you guys don't have content is one thing. We have if it's not disc based, you don't get it here. There is no 3D content available over you know either via satellite or cable at all. There's no yeah. 3D HD or uh, ESPN. There's no 3D HBO or whatever you guys have. We definitely don't have that. You know why? Because the Canadian government is, you know, because they're smarter than we are down here. No, they're not. They're <laughs> no, they just want money. Uh, that's what it is. Which it's I guess maybe is smarter. Unless we start up an embargo against Canada that I don't, don't know about. Let's do that <laughs> embargo. <laughs> so, all right, uh, you're listening to AV Week. Real quickly, uh, Chris Dutto, Adrian Boyd, George Tucker, Matt D. Scott is here with us. Uh, Chris, uh, you have to go. I understand. So, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate hey, it. Chris. Go, go do your Bye, meeting thing. Take care, Bye, guys. Chris. See you later, Chris. Chris. Bye. Bye. Have a good time. Bye. Chris is at the <laughs> AV help desk. Good lord, you guys are ridiculous. Postcards. Um, Chris's mom calls. Let's continue on <laughs> to the. Oh, that that's that's foul, man. <laughs> Jeez. Let's continue on. Uh, down the rabbit hole we go. Down, oh, down the uh, big big display, big screen uh, talking. Sharp is unveiling the 80-inch touchscreen for the boardroom. And I said, yes, sign me up. Get me one, please. 
Uh, Adrian, is there a real practical purpose for this other than the fact that I ha- I can now sell an 80-inch Crestron touch panel? Well, more or less. <laughs> I mean, I saw this when Alamo did their show in Chicago. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, it was kind of cool. I mean, you can manipulate things. I see it really, you know, in the CAD world, you could do a lot of cool things with it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of Now we lost Adrian. No, no, I um, got some water down the wrong windpipe. (laughs) But, yeah, I can see the application. Medical applications, definitely in school, um, GIS, you know, anything with CAD architecture, definitely can see this as a usable product. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Adrian on this. Um, although for thirteen to fourteen thousand dollars, this is not entering even the high end home theater system anytime Wait soon. Wait a minute! Well, but why would you need it? Wait, time out, time out. I, I'll what? push back on that. Twenty years ago, when plasmas first came out, they were thirty grand. Yeah, uh, okay. If they really want to be Madden for that much money, I'm sure yeah, yeah, we can find but, some but, clients. But there, there are still guys who are are buying the Panasonic professional panels for their theaters at you know thirty or was it twenty seven grand now for a, a uh, an eighty five inch, or you know fifty grand for a hundred and three. So they're they're still out there. They're limited, but they're yeah. still out there. Again, well, no, my you, point you could being buy, that this is more corporate. I know, but you could buy you could buy at Best Buy a plasma for twenty grand. That's what yeah. they were going for. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But all your o- city then. But all you're offering <laughs> me here really is a whiteboard system. Yes, it's got Skype built in. It's got what is it? Go to meet meetings and WebEx built in. Or you know, as we were talking earlier about this whole sort of integration. I hate to use the word convergence, but the convergence of these prosumer models that do everything for every market. It's great for the manufacturer because they can make a one-time, yes, expensive piece of equipment, and it'll go across multiple markets. But I, I think it's really cool, but I don't see me putting into a school. Uh, you know, I don't see it putting into even a high-end college. I Command and going... control would be really fun, though. Yeah. Yes. And I wonder, does it do multi-touch? Because if it doesn't do multi-touch, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this right now, it's not worth it to me. No, I no. would be with that. Yeah, it, I didn't, it I didn't has read that to part. do. It has to do multi-touch. But the other side is, you know, it does it. I've I've done it. I don't know. I'm just saying it has to. It doesn't say. Um, I've done a ton of work with uh, Smart, you know, who does the interactive whiteboards, and you know they've got themselves into a bit of a kerfuffle lately. Notwithstanding, <laughs> um, it seems to be Canadian tech oh, companies are just semi, um, dare I say, retarded. <laughs> it just like sorry. It's yeah. I don't, I don't know any other word that actually describes Matt, it well. You've their yes. market challenged. <laughs> <laughs> market challenge. Yeah, market yeah. That challenge. that sounds like rim to me. But uh, you know, no, no. I'm sorry. Rim is intelligence challenged. Well, yes, yeah, this is they're, true. They're very challenged right now. Although their um, CES playbook is supposed to be pretty cool, from what uh, people are saying. And they now. have two CEOs, so hey. <laughs> Twice the fun. <laughs> Or is it two presidents? I forget. No, it's CEOs. Two CEOs because the job is too big. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because one guy couldn't run them into the ground. But that's beside the point. No, but when you get two, you get there so much faster. (laughs) It just, it's like, you know, yeah, it's just awesome. Anyways, um, I see this being very, very big in the corporate boardrooms because the downside that we've always had with smart or any of the other real interactive whiteboards, when you put your hand up, it blocks the screen. And I know, you know, you can get around that to a degree with ultra short throw projectors. um, But this is like the perfect, you know, application. 
And, you know, I can also see it going into some of the, uh, um, like, local TV stations and stuff because they can get a very, you know, if it, again, if it has multi-touch and if it actually does everything it says in the press release it'll do, you, you can have local TV stations with, you know, 15 grand who can now achieve that, you know, super cool CNN, watch me pull up this story. Yeah, yeah without so, the reprojection system. Exactly. So I, I, I think it could be, it could be effective. Whether it won't or will is, you know, completely yeah, up to the market. Seen. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I think George is right. If it if it doesn't have multi touch, it's dead in the water. So, uh, from Rave Publications, Aurora claims one thousand feet with new component VGA extender. Semi four. Okay, George, we'll start with you because you're about as as acerbic as I am. Really, a thousand feet VGA. I mean, I probably could get more excited over a wet piece of toast. Uh, we are living in a day, in day and age of the analog sunset and the digital revolution and the whole bit. And and I like Aurora's most of Aurora's products, but really, I mean, why? Why come out with with a thousand foot VGA? When, when what the, the the HDMI thing didn't come through or what? Because they can. <laughs> well, know. no, but I think part of this is a positive thing. And what is the positive thing? Yes, please. as the economy starts to come back, retrofitting equipment that you are loath to get rid of if you're a smaller system or a smaller company, but you want to expand the room or add stuff to it. This may very well be the product for you from the staging world side or from the sort of install commercial, you know, really commercial install side, like museums and stuff. This is a boon. I can send that VGA that's already existing that they don't want to get rid of that piece of equipment. They're not going to buy a new one. This gets me in the door and gets me more work with them to put in the other pieces of equipment plus keeping that stuff. I don't buy it. <laughs> I just I, I think it was it, I think it's know. a short sighted I think it's a nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties. You're making it sound like it's a short hole modem. I mean come on. It, it's it's a decent piece of no, equipment. No, It's a fifty six K modem. It it's still <laughs> yeah, but it's still uh, something that is insanely prevalent in a lot of institutions uh, and applications. Yes. I, currently it as it, it sits. But aren't people as they start you know, upgrading and, ret- and and renovating are are they not putting in digital? Are they just being so incredibly short sighted that they they continue to put in the VGA in the com- in it's, the composite? I don't I don't think it's so much short sightedness as it is cheapness. Like no, no, it's short sighted. Okay, so hang on for a second. Yeah. Last year, a year ago, Intel and AMD and and everybody who's anybody in the computer industry said, you know what, come 2014 or 2015, we're not going to give you VGA. That's why I'm saying it's short-sighted. Yeah, so, but how many people still have, you know, computers that only have VGA? Like, look at the business world. How many people, I know there's a lot of people who, you know, as of, you know, six weeks from now will show up with very sexy covered in Gorilla Glass um, Ultrabooks. I'm still shocked at how many people I see show up for meetings or to do presentations with a Dell that's you know five years five years old or an old IBM, and it's their workhorse and they just they're too stubborn to change. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I still have a, a computer that that runs XP, but you know what? I'm I don't know. I I, 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 I don't see. I like them. Well, I, and the, the only <laughs> issue is the fact you that you remember, and when you look at 
large corporate environments that have a huge IT infrastructure and lots of computers. You know, what's the old expression? Hey, you got a new computer. Well, it's just new to me. They recycle, yeah. recycle, recycle until they can't do it anymore. So, so what is the half-life? What, what, is, what is the life expectancy of the average laptop or, or computer in the corporate industry? In the it corporate depends environment. on the user. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm serious. There has <laughs> to be, there the has to be a median here. In the applications. I mean, if it's a programming tool that and multimedia thing where you're doing all your graphics and Photoshop and stuff like that, and then you're done with it because you need to upgrade to a, you know faster and maybe movie editing, and you hand it down to, say, the receptionist and or one of the, one of the guys who does just the billing, that's going to work. Okay, so and, I'm not talking. Look, we, on, I, I, I've been on. in companies. I'm not talking about the secretary's computer. I'm talking about the one that's driving presentations. I'm talking about the one that you're seeing on the screen. I don't care if the secretary has Windows NT. I'm talking about Ooh, the, the, the or 95. You know, I'm, I'm talking about the, the source for the, the installations that we put in. And that's why I think it's short-sighted. I mean, yes, the guys make these things last, but you're not putting in a laptop or a PC into a boardroom that is going to drive your presentation that has only VGA. If you are, you're incredibly short-sighted. Well, no. it, 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 well if wait you a look minute. at, you... say, a PC in, a, in, say, like a corporate or environment. Or Mac. <clears throat> I don't care. Well, think about this. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be the cheapest computer they can get a hold of from Dell mm -hmm. or from whoever. Not in the boardroom, it's not. That comes with an embedded video card that nine times out of ten is going to be VGA on the board. No, absolutely if they, not. If they upgrade, Amen, then they may, they may no. do the... The card that's got DVI and maybe display You're not port. listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, again, the bottom line comes down to even if you are putting in the infrastructure to run, you know, fiber or HDMI or, or you know, whatever, mini display port for heaven's sakes. You know what always goes in as a backup? VGA! Because it's still here. <laughs> and, and I, like, again, I know it's frustrating, but... I have a, I have a boatload of projects that still only have VGA in the corporate world, because that's all they want, and they always come back to the whole, yeah, we probably should update to something with HDMI or, or you know DVI or whatever it is. They go, eh, whatever, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> yeah, we're not in a rush. Yes, you are. Yeah, but again, the people that are you know the corporate world is I'd love to say up to date on technology. As a rule, they're not. You know, like some of them, there, there's a couple guys that are, but for the most part, no, they're not. They're they're so behind. And I it's guess shocking. Okay, God I, forbid we we bring up you know house of worship. No, I don't, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't. Then think it's all VGA. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I was about to say. You're in a you're in a Tim. You're in a an institution of learning. Are you not? Yes. I, are you still VGA? Are you still dealing with legacy devices? Yes, I you're still, bet you yes, still you're have still, VCRs okay. rolling around. Yes, you're still dealing with it. And, and I will, will get into why. why Do you have VCRs rolling around? Yes, I have VCRs. Thank you. I rest my case. There's a reason for that. There... Well, you know what? The next topic that we were going to talk about, why are they adding onto this wireless nice little device? Old school component composite? Yeah. Because we still have them. I know, but analog's right. not gonna really ever go away. You'll still have the purists. You know, I myself will try to keep a VCR handy. Adrian, hey, I still have VHS. You cannot get on DVD. 
Well, and that that is to, to George's point. The reason that the reason that my college has VCRs around is because there are a number of professors who swear that their favorite lesson on VHS is not available on DVD. So. And where else am I going to play a marathon from? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, not to mention, like, even I have somewhere in my basement, I'm sure I still have it, I have an original Nintendo. You know? And I know that's not VGA, but it's still analog. It's still analog, yes. And I'm not looking forward to, not that I ever play it, mainly because I suck at it, but um, it, it's one of those things that I'd love to be able to show that to my kids. Yeah. And hook it up to something if there's anything that's still available to ever display it, and that, that maybe why your plasma won't work. <laughs> no, I know, and that... <laughs> that's right. why I still have an '89, you know, Panasonic tube TV in the cabinet that I keep for posterity's sake. That makes sense. Yeah, it's cool. All right, you're listening to AV Week. Uh, Matt Scott, George Tucker, and Adrian Boyd are still with us. Uh, IO Gear, and Jordan mentioned this, uh, has developed a wireless, well, they call it a wireless 3D media kit. I don't want to mention the 3D part because it's, you know, I hate 3D. Uh, I'm melting. But in addition to that, it will do 1080p, which is really cool, and 5.1 digital audio. uh, Through uh, 100 feet, even through walls, it says. Uh, George, I think this is cool with one caveat, if it works, mm-hmm. and if, if it, it will works. transverse uh, HDCP as well. Yes, and I haven't seen it say that. I haven't either, I would, which is what concerns me. One would presume, don't but I don't want to get it. caught in that one, that it would do HDCP. But do you also be careful when it says through walls? It means standard walls, if you read the press release, which means sheetrock. Two she by fours yeah, she and sheetrock, not concrete, not my kind of walls in a 1901 colonial with lath and Plaster. flat and... Plaster. And not between floors, and it's already in the 5 gigahertz congested bandwidth with cell phones and cordless phones and oh, all the other stuff. Oh, now you're getting picky. Well, <laughs> come on. My, my thing about wireless has always been, uh, if everyone knows what an uh, a, uh, immersion sprinkler is, you know it's the sprinkler. Mm-hmm. Yes. The one hey. you, you learn to dance from. Yeah. <laughs> now, wireless, hold, hold a... You know, my, my analogy for explaining wireless to people is stand in front of those with a bucket. Now try to catch as much water as you can. And that's with every wireless signal. Now start adding people with buckets next mm. to you, trying to catch all that water. And that's wireless from the start to beginning. You know, So it'll it's work. It's the single most convenient method ever introduced. It's also the most unreliable method ever introduced, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, stick, stick, a, uh, stick a microwave next to your uh, Wi-Fi and see what happens. <laughs> well, you know, we've talked about this before, but I've also tag- tagged at Brundlefly. <laughs> yes. <you have. laughs> Not often, you know, it, sometimes it works, but, you know, 802.11n, it's it, more Brundlefly than it is Seth Brundle. You know, yeah. I mean, you get your issues with that. I think it's cool, though, because this, again, is one of those sort of integration lower end. I might want something later, five years from now, I want to make it better and more integrated and call Matt Scott um, <laughs> to put a system in. Nice. But that it complete that it has a component input which will do a composite signal with one of those little dingies for those out there too young to know what that is, um, <laughs> and and still get my other uh, uh, my other digital sources. I, you know, like you, I have a couple of older games that I love to be able to hook up. This is great until it dies and melts into a black hole. I'm still going to use it. Yeah, I won't tout it as the greatest thing ever. Well, maybe I will, but for nostalgia's <laughs> sake. But still, 
Uh, I think this is a great little box. Again, HTCP, though, we need to confirm. Does it do that? Yeah, yeah. and, and the, the, the fact that it's not in the press release does kind of concern me. So, uh, Yeah, and they've, they've already taken one kick at this can, too. They've got a previous version of this. This is like Rev 2 now. Right. Yes. Maybe yes. by Rev 3 they'll have HTCP. Their, so. their, pers- their first revolution wasn't too bad. Or revision, I should say. Like it was, it was acceptable for what it was. Albeit, it wasn't, um, it wasn't very price effective at the point. But, you know, for for what it did, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you watched uh, Twit's coverage of CES, they did. Um, I think it was iPad Today, the live version. They went into Geffen's uh, yeah. booth, and they sh- they were showing a version two media type center with uh, what was it, airport and. Uh, a couple of other pieces all into one box with analog and digital inputs. Mm-hmm. So I think theirs was a little more expensive than the IO gear price point, but still within reason. Yeah, still within yep. reason. So, All right, from System Contractor News, and by the way, our buddy Matt Scott is a, is a what are you, a columnist or a, a contributor to, to SCN? Uh, I don't know. I don't have an official title yet. He writes and but they write publish what he writes. Yes. It's very cool. So that's, I'm very, that's happy, very happy for him. That's very Thanks. Cool. So, Thank you. Bowing. Uh, from SCN, though, they have the <laughs> inaugural class of the Hall of Fame for AV professionals, honoring those who define the AV industry. Uh, and I just, this is, a, the piece is written by a bunch of different people. The, the main one is by, uh, by Kristen Nelson. And she writes, statistically, statistically speaking, easy, for, you easy to for me to say, the people who make up this industry are overachievers in every sense. Not only do they have the smarts to do technically demanding work, but they also generously devote hours to volunteer efforts and nurturing their families both at work and at home. Uh, this is a list of virtually a who's who of manufacturers and consultants and, and people of that nature, one that I want to kind of highlight and as my kind of pick of, yeah, you guys got to get it right, uh, was Randy Vaughn. Randy Vaughn uh, passed away, but he was the guy who who set up AE Systems. Uh, he was an incredible educator uh, of other people and genu- genuinely gave of his time uh, for uh, anybody who ever asked, and it would would help out anybody who ever asked. So I think they got that one right. Is there? I I, I kind of wanted to mention this guy. It's not necessarily that I don't want to tear down or, or build up this this too much, but was there anybody that you think they maybe missed, or somebody you think they got you know right nailed right on the head? George, well, it's the it's the first class, so I mean they're 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 picking amongst you know their the, their own, <laughs> yeah, as it were, uh, and I think everybody on here is 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 deserving uh and i would refrain from saying they missed somebody at this juncture until i see next year's and then we can start sort of critiquing hey why didn't you include so and so and you know they're not mentioning these as the top 10 of all time at this point no no no. this is just their their first go around right right um but they're all you know very instrumental guys that everyone that's all the youngsters in this business should start to know the names of just like we know you know, people like Raymond Scott or uh, any other uh, uh, sort of off-the-side technology person who developed the things we're doing today. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and this, finally, uh, I don't believe I'm going to talk about this, but we are. MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> Your space. Oh, for crying out loud. GeoCities reduxed. You know what? <laughs> They're very nice. Um, I, I jumped off of MySpace when it started being the, the creepy... <laughs> 
old guy pedophile place to hang out and troll for little girls. I just I. Well, I you, 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 there was a time I there. That no, there was a time there where there was like reports every night of some creepy old guy. There was yeah, a, I, I can some, happily well, say I was never on it. Well, yeah. first of all, what did MySpace start off as? Does anyone really remember what MySpace was intended for? It was a social network. It was it was no, pre Facebook. It was for musicians. It was started yes. by these guys in the Black Rock Coalition, the guys from uh, Living Color, and others who promoted this thing heavily, it was for musicians who were unsigned or on their own independent labels to have a space. Remember, that's why I said GeoCities, the early days of yeah. you know, making a web page was, you know, the easiest you could do it was front page, and even that was pretty awful. Um, for them to have a space to put embed music, for it to play, for their fans to contact them, and to be able to set up gigs. Yeah. But as their fans came to the spaces, they wanted pages, they built pages, and then made these monstrosity unreadable Foster clocks. <laughs> Very nice. Hey, it's still clean. Well put. Um, it's so you know good. of 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 sites. I mean, look at some of them. You quit, I mean, it's like it's like dark gray text on a on a on an off white background with some kind of image in the back of it. Whoa! An animated gif. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. The land of animated. So anyhow, so so that that that's where MySpace was, where they are now, and, and thanks to Justin Timberlake and, and a couple other Can I people. Just say one thing. Mm-hmm. You bringing sexy back? He is. <laughs> uh, JT, he's also bringing MySpace back yeah. with him. <laughs> J, JT is—they're kind of relaunching and, and re, reinvigorating this as MySpace TV. Uh, Adrian, we'll start with you. Is this, besides the fact that I can't believe we're talking about MySpace, um, can this thing work? Can it compete? And, and how should we, as AV guys, integrate this? I mean, are we talking about modules inside smart TVs, or is this something? like a standalone device like a Roku that we're going to have to, to, to deal with? Well, I mean, Panasonic's already saying that they're having support in their, you know, infrastructure, you know, for MySpace TV. What's interesting is their thought was, well, it's just going to be like your regular TV. We're going to have all the same shows that you watch on cable or satellite. But when you read the article, there's no mention of, of what networks are going to be involved, who's going to get content on it. Is it going to be like Hulu? Is it going to be like you know something from what you know Roku's got or other online services? They make no mention of it. They're just saying, hey, we're going to reinvent the MySpace brand, and we're going to stick it on TVs, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, you know what I, you know what it means to me is it meant Panas- uh, Pan- it's Panasonic that did this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Panasonic said, hey, we can get Justin Timberlake to show up on our stage. We'll get press. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an app. If it, it's an app that's vapor app, and if it ever happens, they'll make it work. If it doesn't happen, they got a one-time smack. I don't think they're going to get any damage from saying we're teaming with MySpace because if it doesn't happen, no one cares. Yeah, pretty much. It, the you know I watched the press conference from CES on it, and it was just very uncomfortable. You know, to watch it, even you know Justin looked uncomfortable. All the uh, heads from Sony looked uncomfortable. The biggest laugh of the whole thing. Outside of him saying, you know, we're putting MySpace on your TV, everybody chuckles, was he made a reference to a box. And, like, it just, it was bad. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wait and see. And if it doesn't happen, well, then cool. We get to, we get to not worry about MySpace for another three or four years. So. <laughs> All right, you have been listening to AB Week. I'm your host, Tim Albright. Uh, with us is Matt Scott, George Tucker, Adrian Boyd. Earlier was Chris Netto, and we had uh, Rich Fergoza. From uh, CE, uh, from CES, he he's been guest blogging for for CE Pro uh, this this week. 
Uh, gentlemen, that's all I have. Does anybody have anything that they'd like to mention or, or a story that you think we missed? The one thing to touch on was that uh, the biggest thing that came out, I believe it was either last night or this morning, that kind of caught me by surprise a little bit was um, Beats uh, oh, not yeah. renewing their contract with Monster. Mm-hmm. That is a the headphone industry has become a one billion dollar industry, and Monster a la Beats own something like fifty three percent of it. Wow. And uh, I guess it came down to a mis not maybe not a misunderstanding. Well, I guess a misunderstanding of some form between between uh, Jimmy Iovine and uh, Noel Lee, the head of Monster, and they have now dis- or dissolved that partnership. And uh, Beats is going its own way. Monsters going its own way. Hence all the new, uh, um, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and all the other crazy new headphone things. Um, I think that that's going to be a fairly big, big, big deal because Beats got a uh, essentially sold fifty-one percent of their company to HTC this wow. past, uh, earlier this year, and uh, they're partnering with HTC and are looking to essentially. The way I read it was that they're becoming or trying to become the next Bose. What I mean by that is Bose, you know, yeah, is kind of big in home stuff a little bit, but their biggest thing is headphones and car audio. You know, if you if you buy a, an Escalade, the high-end audio in it is Bose. This is what uh, Beats is trying to do. They're trying to get their audio into vehicles, into cell phones, into all these other devices, into TVs. So I think, A, I honestly, not being a huge Monster fan, I kind of like seeing that. <laughs> I kind of like seeing them separate. Um, but uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's a big, you know, it kind of got lost with CES this week. Yeah. But uh, I think it's going to be a bigger deal than anybody really realizes because, yeah, that headphone market is just ridiculous. I think that was also one of Rich's things is that he said, you know, this is the year of the mm-hmm. headphone there. At CES, oh, yeah. So. Awesome. Well, uh, that is Matt D. Scott. You can find him at uh, OmegaAudioVideo.com, on uh, Twitter at Omega Audio Video, at Matt D. Scott, and my favorite, Matt Scott's hair. So hey. thank you. Matt thank- Scott's hair might be getting a cut. We're, uh, we may be trimming it all down. I don't know. Oh, oh I, I know. Have, I have some it's ideas. It's the wrong season for that, Bubba. It is the wrong season. I know, dude. Especially up north. Yeah. Trust it. Trust it. From a shiny head like me. Wait until the spring. Yes, but have y'all not seen my big Esky hat? Yes, I've seen your... I've seen my Esky hat. I think I'll be okay. Right. I'll survive. Uh, the other gentleman there is, is George Tucker. He is uh, at Tucker2s on, on Twitter. He works for World Stage. And what's your website again? It's Tucker's Tuesday <laughs> at uh, tuckerstuesday.typepad.com. Thank you much. Uh, also, George uh, is doing... Uh, we just did DIY, which should pop this Wednesday. Yep. Uh, the new episode video, two. episode two, and we are uh, in the process of producing a I, we. That's <laughs> royal we. George is in the process of producing a uh, a, a social network uh, for AV uh, show, so that Ooh. should be coming out soon too. Ooh. So, yes. uh, Adrian Boyd, he is from Vector Sketch. You are the underscore AV underscore CAD underscore guy. Is yes. that right? On that would be right. So hey, I did that, I did that off off the top of my head. I'm awfully proud of myself. Excellent. So uh, he's Gold from he, he's from Vector Sketch AU. He's from Vector Sketch. So thank you so much for for coming by. Well, thanks for thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. It was a blast. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. If you want to follow me and my ramblings on Twitter, it is T as in Tim, D as in David, A L B 
R I G H T. Uh, but more importantly for me, and, and more importantly for all the AV Nation guys and gals, uh, please go by the website. We have a new home uh, with Rave Publications. It is Rave Pubs R A V E P U B S dot com forward slash AV Nation. Ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. As I mentioned, the the social network, uh, the social network, the social AV uh, podcast is coming down the pike. We have one about education, and uh, we're going to try something in a couple weeks uh, with Gary K uh, on a daily basis. So that should be interesting. Um, and I'm not sure what we're going to call it yet, but it's going to be me and Gary kind of just grousing for five or ten minutes on a daily basis. So just stay tuned to that. Check it out, ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Thanks so much, and that's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs> 